independent thought, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots and lots of stuff to talk about. And yet, Southwest Airlines, the massive meltdown is one of the biggest conversations going on every single day. It is crazy to think that they have about 60% of their flights getting canceled day in and day out right now. Of course, a lot of people are saying that the biggest problem, uh, at least uh, the biggest one they're willing to admit, has been a technology issue, much more than the weather, uh, much more than the issues that plagued, I guess, all the airlines for a very short amount of time uh, earlier this week. It's just the the technological problems, the, the dated software with uh, Southwest Airlines makes it almost impossible for them to recover from this. There's videos all over social media of just like bags all over the place in some airports and then people stranded in other airports. Uh, there's reports now that there are individuals who work for these airlines that want to be asked to to get in a plane and fly somewhere. Uh, pilots, flight attendants, flight crews, and they are not being told what they're supposed to do. So they're just sitting waiting for the opportunity to go ahead and start fixing the problem. Uh, but there is a chance that these flights will just continue to be canceled. Um, it's it's going to be crazy. Uh, they say that tomorrow, maybe the 30th, is the first day in which they're going to get a handle on uh, getting well under the 60% of flights getting canceled. Uh, but I don't know. Uh, anyone that's flying southwest over the last few days, I would assume is tremendously unlikely to do it again anytime in the near future. Uh, I am still curious, and I've said this before, as to whether or not um, and I actually have a few friends of mine asking me this question all the time, too. Southwest somehow winds up getting owned or, or bought out by another uh, airline, an airline that has the technology things that they don't have, just sort of absorbs them. Uh, that seems like a more valuable solution than trying to finally update and fix all this stuff. But we'll, we'll see. Uh, it's certainly a, a crazy thing that just continues. All right. I want to talk about a, a few different things. And I feel like they're all connected. So hopefully at the end of it, uh, we'll get sort of a a macro point out there. But we'll see how this goes. Uh, The first one is a reaction to the Whoopi Goldberg stuff. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg said in a few different interviews um, somewhat recently, even though very early on this year, she got suspended for some of the things she said about the Holocaust, about how it's not about race. Uh, She's still sort of defending herself, still putting a position out that is not I was wrong and I'm sorry it's more there's reasons why I wasn't totally wrong. That's what she keeps saying. And she, well, keeps being wrong and keeps offending people on Fox news. They talked about this and actually Lisa Marie Booth was on uh, and gave this reaction to what she thinks the problem is. I actually really agree with this take. uh, And I think that, as I said, it ties to some other stuff going on right now too. I mean, she sees today's world through the prism of leftist politics, right? Of who they perceive is a victim and who is not. Right. And so that's where she's coming from on this. And is it really an apology when you keep saying it? Right? No. Like it's, it's actually just what you believe. Right. And it doesn't even matter what she believes. It matters how Hitler viewed it. And Hitler viewed the Jewish people as a race and mutable characteristics. This is why he waged a genocide uh, against them. And so I, I believe it really just comes down to her viewpoint and the way she sees the world. Now, I've seen her sit there and call Trump a bigot, a racist and all these different <laughs> things. When it turns out that she's the one who's a bigot and who has hate in her heart for the Jewish people. That's an excellent take, uh, about as excellent as you can get there. So way to go, Lisa Marie. I thought it was um, uh, very interesting, and I think it might have to do with celebrity uh, culture as much as woke or leftist culture, that you just decide that even though everyone's telling you you're wrong about a thing, that you're going to keep blazing the trail of believing, nah, you know what, I've got more of this down than I need to. 
uh, reconsider, and I don't need to get educated on any of it. I'll just keep saying the things I want to say. Uh, but there, there is a, a version, too, in my perception, and I think uh, Lisa would agree, that probably in her own everyday life uh, or in the life of those on the left who, who um, behave a lot of times as if there's right and wrong to some uh, questions or some conversations uh, that there aren't right and wrong to, and then other things that you just can't correct people on, even though it's evidently wrong, like this one. Uh, there's just a lot of different uh, errors in the way in which you try to, um, I think, control conversation from the extremes. Case in point, I think, is also this. This school out of Virginia that a few days ago, I know this story first broke, decided not to tell successful students in classrooms that they were National Merit Scholars. They decided to keep that from them because they said it would, quote, hurt the feelings of the other students. Here's some of the Fox 5 reporting on that. You may be wondering, how is this even uncovered? Well, a parent discovered Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology wasn't telling students about their awards after she found out her own son was among the nation's top three percent of students. Teachers allegedly dropped certificates unceremoniously on students' desk about a month past special deadlines for National Merit Scholars. The mother says when she confronted the director of student services about it by phone. He allegedly said school leaders underplayed the recognition because they didn't want to hurt the feelings of other students wow. who weren't being honored. The role of these educators is to have children achieve their full potential, not to limit their potential. That's what they've done. They've, they've betrayed the trust of, the, of our community. They, they cannot be trusted. I cannot trust them with my child. So that's obviously a parent quoted at the end there uh, that I played, but uh, I can't trust them with my child is a uniquely damaging statement from someone who I would assume is the parent of a child that's succeeding inside the classroom at that school because the school has chosen to handle itself in a certain way. Again, uh, making decisions from the extreme or uh, not having any rational people in the room when they're coming up with this policy saying, what? What do you mean you're not going to recognize the students who are, are succeeding, who are doing well in our classroom by telling them they're doing a good job? And honestly, I think it actually um, winds up causing the kids who don't win awards like that to not necessarily get motivated to try harder, if that's part of the challenge as to why uh, some kids might not be uh, in conversations. I know everyone can't be a National Merit Scholar, but in conversations where they're doing better in the classroom, I do think there's a negative aspect, uh, a way in which you're harming those kids you're trying to protect by not treating them the way that real life works, that some people are, are succeeding more than others here or there or all that stuff. And then finally, this last one. And I, again, I feel like all these tie together. I'm going to try to do it at the end. Uh, but this has gone viral recently. I'm not sure exactly when this occurred. But Vice Magazine tried to get people together to talk about tough issues, try to talk about difficult conversations. And during that, they started to fight with each other. They started to yell at each other. Two women, actually, specifically, were arguing a lot. Uh, the Vice person moderating this tried to uh, pump the brakes on it, say it's getting personal. And then this happened, and this is the viral moment of it. Getting personal, I don't want it to be personal. A lot of us live in this space where we're told that our sure. opinions don't count because they're not the right kind of opinions, and we're constantly shouted over and talked over, regardless of what we look like, because there's one group in society that basically takes precedence, and it's frustrating. So yeah, of course, <laughs> it's 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 frustrating. That laugh is so scary. That laugh is so so scary. That sounds like uh, uh, the evil witch in I don't know whatever that is, the Wizard of Oz. It sounds like something some character that you don't want to be alone with try to talk about it we get <laughs> shouted down we get so. told to be quiet we we get we get spooken down too as well so okay, there's hostility there for plenty of women let's try to make this an opportunity to <laughs> speak oh, you're literally a white woman from australia you live in a bubble and you're 
that voices wow. that have been silenced forever finally can be heard. The rage that came out of that person at the end and also saying that, right, well, the moderator is trying to say, let's not make this personal. Let's have a conversation without talking about uh, the individual people in this room. And that person goes, you're a white woman from Australia. You don't know stuff and you're terrible and awful. Uh, the, the rage, the anger. So, again, I think that the conversation in a lot of this, I think the failure with Whoopi Goldberg is not just that she obviously has um, things she believes and thinks that are offensive, that that feel racist, uh, that that definitely need to be corrected in her life. She probably has no one that's willing to do it, no one that's willing to sit her down and treat her the way she needs to be treated. In that classroom with those kids in D.C., uh, there's a lot of kids that just need to be treated uh, via the other kids getting um, honored for the awards they're winning uh, as though they didn't win them. That's just real life. That's, that's a thing. It's not even treatment necessarily in that second scenario. It's just people living in the world uh, that we actually live in. And then the final one, uh, the one that I find most interesting, that really is an example of the intolerant left, a uh, left that gets so mad when your ideology is not matching theirs perfectly and starts to yell and scream about you and how terrible you are because you need to agree with them. You need to, to follow uh, their rules or else, essentially, I think we get to this this interesting place. And the way I want to try to wrap these together is I saw this study, uh, this university that's trying to create an app. And this might sound a little woke, so give me a second. Uh, the app is designed to try to make you talk to yourself better. It's trying to improve your self-talk, for lack of saying it a better way. Uh, they say that a lot of times the way in which we treat our, ourselves a lot of the times in which we think about certain things, even things where we've had success, even things where we're doing well, uh, things that other people would be proud of if they were achieving like we were in whatever that space might be in your life. Uh, we have a pessimistic attitude. We have a negative attitude. Uh, we beat ourselves up. Essentially, we're a jerk to ourselves about those sort of things. And the app only has one goal. It wants to reframe the way you talk to yourself about whatever it is, the things you want to improve about your life. Fine. Uh, but talk to yourself in a more hopeful way about how you can do it. You can improve in certain ways if you put an effort here or there, if you do this, if you do that, whatever it might be. And again, I know that sounds a little woke, uh, but here's why I think it matters. I believe that the biggest um, cause of all this woke crap or all this uh, demand um, from society to behave a certain way, to act a certain way, to silence uh, conversations, to allow conversations that don't seem like they should be allowed don't seem like they should make sense. Ones like the things Whoopi Goldberg is saying to just sort of look the other way and have her still have a job. I think all of that's created by an expectation that other people are more important than they are. And what I mean by that is like if you go on social media, if you go anywhere um, in our society right now, uh, if you go watch videos on YouTube, uh, people are so obsessed with the reaction of others to them. Uh, people care about getting likes, getting clicks, getting comments, uh, getting follows, whatever it might be. For those who care about that sort of thing, I'm certainly talking about the younger generations. I think when I say that there's a lot of other people in our society who don't give a crap about any of that. But all of these thoughts, all of these uh, woke censorship of things or, or the opposite, they all come from that need for everyone to care about you, everyone to agree with you, everyone to think that your thoughts are correct and right and most valuable. And I think what that app is actually talking about is just being individuals, just thinking about ourselves, just worrying about me the way that I think a lot of people who are probably happier and healthier than those who laugh like this woman at the Vice magazine thing do. Um, those people are better at that. They're just better at, at being themselves and not really caring what people say, think, act, 
feel and not needing all of your thoughts, all of your opinions to be absorbed by everyone else around you or else you can't stand to be in, uh, in the same room with them for even a second. I think a lot more individualizing of all of these different conversations that we have will benefit a lot of us. This might be soapboxy. It might be obvious. You might have heard it a thousand times before, but I just felt the connection. And all these things I was seeing today, the Whoopi Goldberg conversations and how she's still so defiant in her opinion. Maybe she's a little bit too individual on that sort of thing, but she's so defiant uh, and unwilling to listen to any sort of criticism. The D.C. thing where they're deciding to to treat everyone uh, like that's the only way they can treat a classroom. And the Vice thing where the one woman is so mad at the other woman because they don't seem to agree on some just basic stuff. I think in all those scenarios, it would help a lot to, to center the focus on on me, on what I'm saying, what I'm doing, what I'm thinking, and whether I guess I'm proud of it, comfortable with it, etc. All right, a quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Me too. Hashtag immigration reforms. Hashtag help. I'm trapped in a hashtag factory and I can't get out. The Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Chad is back just after the holidays. This is the last show for me. And then we've got Chad back next week. Um, I saw this story. I thought it was interesting. Women can smell if you're single or not. Uh, that is according to new research from Frontiers in Psychology. Uh, they actually asked a bunch of women, this was, I think, in Australia, uh, to smell shirts that had been provided by specific guys. Uh, they were then also showed photos of the men as they were smelling the shirts for B.O. Uh, they were then correctly capable of identifying the dudes that were single and the dudes that were taken based on just the sense of the shirt. Uh, apparently, the guys that were single smelled, well, more. Uh, they had more B.O. I don't know if that means they had more uh, cologne as well, but they definitely just had a stronger scent, a stronger odor. Uh, beyond just the fact that women could smell that a man was single or taken, uh, if you were actually a partnered woman, uh, you could do even more to identify a man if they were single or taken based on how you described the masculine features of their face. Uh, that's right, that partnered women would describe single dudes as more masculine than taken guys for whatever reason. Uh, one last thing it said here, outside of just the, the body odor difference uh, that might be in play between single and married dudes, uh, there also is a lower level of testosterone. Uh, this was studied uh, via the guys themselves. If you're in a relationship, and past research has demonstrated this too, for some reason, your testosterone levels go down. For some reason, something happens where a long-term relationship with a, with a, a woman, uh, you wind up not being as... Anyway, I'll just move on from that topic because I don't think anything else I say will do well with me. I'll get in trouble with the missus if the wife hears this, but testosterone levels going down for taking guys might be the reason uh, they don't smell as strongly as, as well. Um, I saw this story. I thought it was interesting out there in the world uh, that... TikTok is claiming that guys are terrible at DoorDash, that if you're a woman and you send a, a dude out via DoorDash or some sort of other grocery shopping thing, uh, that the odds are that the dude is not going to get all of your items correct. 
It's exactly the same problem my wife has had with me for years. It's just a thing she's always struggled with. Uh, one of the things I like most about this story is that apparently, even though the first woman who made it viral and complained just about like food items that the guy got wrong, a lot of other women say if it's beauty products or if it's women's healthcare products, that if they get a dude uh, who is the name of the person about to go shopping for them, they immediately expect something to be wrong in those situations too because, yep, absolutely. Definitely a thing that happens. Definitely a thing that, uh, again, is struggled with. I don't know what all the makeup stuff is. I don't know if I should be shopping for that kind of stuff. Uh, but I guess this is a problem that several women are saying uh, they've experienced as well. Uh, no real solution to it, just uh, putting it out there. Uh, that guys get stuff wrong, uh, yes, is usually the answer uh, there. But we keep trying, so that's the lovable part. That's the part people like, uh, right? Uh, one last thing I thought it was interesting. I'm not going to play the audio because by the time someone recorded this, I guess the conversation had gotten, quote, boring. Uh, but someone rolled up to a Panera, was waiting to place their order in the drive-thru, and heard a um, worker just complain and complain about their boss just ripping the boss and had no idea they left the speaker open. And what I love most about the video and the post on social media is that the person who waited several minutes before placing an order wasn't even a little bit mad. They were absolutely enjoying what all of us enjoy, which is when you eavesdrop on a workplace drama or some sort of conversation and you're just sitting there, you're just on the fence with the popcorn or however you want to say it, just enjoying the fact that someone's going off. Uh, the fact that this went viral might mean that that employee eventually gets fired uh, when the boss hears about all this stuff or sees this video as well. Millions of people watched it, uh, but absolutely I would have done what they did and just enjoyed the show. Quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. Chad is back just after the holidays. Uh, Vladimir Putin fired 120 missiles at Ukraine over the last day. Uh, this is the biggest attack in a while uh, between Russia and Ukraine. It does make you wonder uh, a couple things. The first thing, of course, and this is the conversation mainstream media is going to have, is the horrific recklessness of Putin, uh, his desire to just indiscriminately bomb parts of Ukraine and kill women and children. That is an awful, awful part of this war, this conflict. Uh, there's another conversation, though, that I think is, is interesting or valuable. Uh, we just gave Ukraine a crap ton of money and weapons to continue to fight this war. And every time we continue to help them fight this war, not that I'd want to see them in any way, shape or form lose uh, this war. But I think you have provocative actions like Putin occur because of the reality that with the funding of the United States or other uh, countries throughout the world, uh, Ukraine can continue a very, very long, much longer than expected conflict to just keep going. And the United States and other countries that would eventually like to see Ukraine have some version of approach to this that ends the conflict uh, without maybe the the version of a win that Ukraine wants, a uh, win that does in some way to some of the people in that country feel 
like you gave up things you shouldn't give up. Essentially, the the lack of getting revenge in the fight back against Russia, uh, that will probably also prolong this war. So at what point in all of this uh, do we start to say that all the things we're doing to help Ukraine is causing some of the additional fighting and reaction from Putin? I'm not I'm not trying to not blame of Vladimir Putin for the decisions he's making, the way in which he's waging this war, the horrible things that he's doing, and the fact that he should have invaded Ukraine in the first place. But is there going to be a moment where the United States or other countries don't just write blank check after blank check, but actually do start to say, you need to accept this or that. You need to act this way or that way to try to end this conflict uh, conflict when speaking to Ukraine. Uh, in order to not see it go and have multiple stories like this appear every few months for, say, a few more years, uh, which I think is a a big fear in all this. But this is an awful uh, story, a massive air raid. Some of these missiles were shot down by uh, Ukrainian air defenses, but uh, a lot of areas were hit and civilians once again uh, lost their lives. Uh, Moving on, other things out there that I think have value as far as talking about, uh, I saw that Obviously, after the new Chinese travel ban, things have been put in place, which travel ban is not what it should be called. You need to have a a covid test within two days of travel from China to the United States, even if you go to another country in between. What I think is valuable about this and what you're hearing a lot of people say it's a whataboutism. It's a basic one, but it it certainly uh, seems to be important is when Biden was so heavily critical of travel bans uh, in the last administration for President Trump. Because and actually, you know what? There's this other thing going on, which maybe I'll play a lot of this a little later in the show. So people are digging up old Obama clips and playing things that Obama said while running for office, while in the office, as far as the the office of the president. And some of those things actually align way more with Republicans today. Uh, Things about the border, uh, things about some of the other conversations that are really prominent right now. Uh, than they do with Democrats. And so it's just odd that you can say, maybe cherry pick out the politician, probably on the left or the right, and find a moment where they absolutely say no to something that they then say is totally fine a little bit later in their career or vice versa. But here is a moment uh, where Biden on the campaign trail back in February of 2020 is saying how hysterically xenophobic the former president is. And I think you can now probably accuse him, even though I think it's the right decision. I think we should have COVID tests for people coming from China because of the crazy outbreak of COVID there and actually continuing to demonstrate how wrong their approach was to the coronavirus pandemic in the first place, how Dr. Fauci and people who praise China were wrong. They simply delayed the time bomb. They didn't stop it. Um, But I so I think the policy is correct. I want that to be out there. But I just think it's interesting that the criticism lobbed at the opponent could easily be lobbed at him now. In moments like this, this is where the credibility of the president is most needed, as he explains what we should and should not do. This is no time for Donald Trump's record of hysteria, xenophobia, nope, hysterical that's xenophobia. <laughs> that's it. <laughs> to uh, and fear mind. And fear-mongering. That's all the things that he does when he's in office, when he has specific rules in place, uh, bans, whatever it might be, that only affect uh, people from certain countries. But when I do it, it's it's fine. I don't know why you guys are talking anymore. Please, everyone, go away. I saw this story. I thought it was interesting. This is out of the U.K. specifically. I don't know if there was a lot of complaints or conversation about this in the United States as well. Uh, But apparently over the Christmas holiday, uh, Tesla owners or owners of electric vehicles were complaining a lot 
and actually stuck in tremendously long lines at charging stations in order to charge up their vehicles to travel wherever they were going to see friends and family uh, for Christmas. Uh, the reason that this is so intriguing to me is that depending on the model of the vehicle, it can take anywhere from 15 minutes to 12 hours to charge a car, a electric car, a Tesla enough to get it back on the road, going wherever you want to go. It's a profound change in the world we live in uh, right now and the uh, ease of putting gasoline in a car and just continuing to go. And it's one of many probably challenges that we'll continue to talk about as those in uh, power here, those politicians, try to push everybody into electric vehicles. Uh, There's actually a lot of conversations. There's a really valuable uh, YouTube TED Talk thing about this. And I think I've actually mentioned this on the show before. Uh, We're someone who worked in the electric vehicle space uh, said that actually hybrids are probably a better long-term solution for everybody involved. You still get to put gas in it. You can still power it the traditional way, but you also have a battery to maybe ease the amount of of gas that you're using day in and day out. Uh, and that actually fully electric vehicles are not any better uh, because of the, the cost it um, has in our society or the way in which pollution, whatever it might be, uh, is also impacted by the even the creation of a lithium battery. But what I think is so interesting about this, about the uh, waiting a long line to charge a vehicle, uh, all that kind of stuff, uh, is there also are these conversations which are more relevant, I guess, here in our country over the holiday about how poorly electric cars fare in extremely cold conditions, how batteries are actually uh, harmed, the capability to charge them, the capability to to go long distances in them. All of those things are, are absolutely worse uh, when you have just severe cold. Not necessarily bad weather, but just severe cold. So if people were trying to charge some of these vehicles at some places uh, throughout the United States, well, it was bitterly, bitterly cold. The charging would take even longer and it would be less effective. So there's so many challenges uh, that we don't actually see a lot of in our society when we talk about energy, when we talk about uh, vehicles, uh, because everybody isn't driving one of these yet. But when we are, is it going to be part of like the Christmas tradition to take a week and a half to travel from one location to another uh, because of how big the demand will be on the roadways for whatever it might be, how long it would take to charge vehicles, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. Uh, I wonder if people are going to have to take a week off to do what now is about a day's worth of travel uh, currently. Uh, one other thing, and I just want to um, play this before we take a break. I talked about this story yesterday. I really, really like this story, and the audio has now gone viral too. So there's a 12-year-old kid uh, winds up um, being asked to be the best man at his mom's um, second marriage. Uh, his mother gets married to a guy named Tony. Uh, I guess uh, Tony and him have a decent relationship themselves, so Jake is asked to be the best man. Uh, during the speech, he took a decent shot at Tony, and I loved it. And so I'm very impressed with this 12-year-old, his, abil- his ability to speak in public, uh, which apparently a lot of young people uh, can't do today in our society, and also his ability to take a shot at the guy marrying his his mom. I, I thought every bit of this was great. Uh, so here we go. Here's a little bit of that audio. Tony. Tony, Tony, Tony. <laughs> I can't imagine how my life would have turned out if mom had met somebody else all those years ago. Maybe Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Just someone rich, basically. For God's sake, Tony, why do you have to be a police officer? <laughs> now, obviously, I think he's actually proud of his uh, new um, stepdad for being a police officer. And anyone should be proud of anyone that has that uh, role in our society. Uh, but I do like the idea that a 12-year-old kid who's uh, watching his mom get remarried is thinking to himself, man, oh, man. How great would it have been if we had the ridiculous amount of money of some of those other guys? Or at least I could have uh, some sort of insider look at, say, Twitter. His account would be very valuable 
uh, right now if, if Jake had gotten a different guy uh, to marry his mom. So I thought it was pretty funny. I thought it was uh, pretty good. Uh, oftentimes you have that stuff go viral uh, where someone uh, marrying into a family has a really sweet, a really touching, a really nice moment uh, with maybe the children of the person that they're marrying. Uh, this to me is way more entertaining. The other one might be nice. Uh, this one is more real. So way to go all involved. I definitely enjoyed it. And honestly, uh, again, just to say it, because we had that story yesterday about that woman who's trying to train millennials and Gen Z to be able to talk on the phone or speak in person. Uh, she's making a ton of money doing it. I'm not bes- uh, besmirching her. I'm not judging her for finding an avenue to make a bunch of cash. But it's just sad that so many people can't talk. And this kid is firing off a, uh, a best man speech complete with jokes. All right, quick break. A lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. The Chad Benson Show, where independent a la carte thinkers have a seat at the table and a voice in the dialogue. I'll have what she's having. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Chad is back after the holidays. A few things that I found uh, viral on the Internet. The first one, some guy, I guess, a couple weeks ago, and this is now all over Reddit, uh, suggested a new change on the version of quiet quitting that, say, young people are doing in certain jobs. Uh, If you don't know what that one is, uh, apparently quiet quitting is where you show up. You do as little work as humanly possible uh, because you want to get fired. Uh, You don't want to actually quit your job, man up and go get a new job. Uh, You want to show up for as many days as the company will have you uh, doing uh, just terrible, awful work until eventually you do obviously get canned. Uh, It's a stupid thing. To me, it's honestly a version of I can't even have conversations uh, with my employers, so I'm just going to be quiet in the corner and hope that they take uh, the reins and fire me. But now there's a version called malicious compliance uh, where you actually again, because you don't care about your job, because you want to be out of your job. Uh, You just go above and beyond for the customer, even if it harms the business. Uh, The guy said for legal reasons, he can't actually tell anyone that's following him to do this. It's not a good idea. Uh, You can definitely get in legal trouble for this. But he said examples would be things like waiving fees if fees are involved in purchases, giving giving out discounts to customers as if they're employees, uh, upsizing customers' food for free, whatever it might be. Uh, that you can do essentially giving incredible customer service, but at the detriment of the company itself. Uh, It got about a million views of its own on social media, and a lot of people said how genius it was. Because yet again, at least with uh, younger generations, I'm a millennial, so this is a lot of self-hate being thrown around in here. You just can't have a conversation. You just can't move. You can't be a professional either. Uh, Because in both situations, you should really just find a way to to leave on a high note on the off chance you want to work at any of those places or for any of those people again. You don't know where they're going to be. Maybe they move on to other companies you want to be at in the future. There's a lot of ways where making enemies is bad. Uh, Don't burn bridges, they've always said. Uh, But this is another version of it, and you're just out to essentially harm the company. I've seen a lot of work at times from people that seem discontent uh, at certain jobs that I've had, that they just do uh, the bare minimum in a way that seems not exactly like quiet quitting. It seems more malicious. They know that they could get corrected for the things they're doing wrong, but they would still have done something. So it's it's a version of, yeah, no, I did the thing you asked, 
Uh, but I did it to the lowest um, uh, degree possible. And if you complain about it, I'll just behave as though uh, it's unreasonable that you're complaining. But you see it coming because you've made those mistakes before. Essentially, just repeating mistakes over and over again is something I've seen. and something that falls into that same category, I think, of just starting to be malicious about it, whatever it might be. All right. A couple stories in the world of restaurants quickly. The first one I saw this, a uh, person went viral. Uh, her name is Autumn. She, I guess, is a waitress at a, a Waffle House. Uh, she went viral because she said that someone complained that their hash browns were cooked in, quote, oil. Didn't mean that they were deep fried or anything. They were just cooked with oil used as part of the cooking process. Uh, the uh, individual, I guess, said she's sorry, but that's how the food is cooked. And then they demanded a refund. They wanted their refund back because how dare you use oil? Uh, this will shock a lot of people because I'm a terrible cook for anyone that pays any attention to me at all uh, on this show. Uh, but I did work at the back, in the back of a, a restaurant in the kitchen uh, at one time in my life while well, in college. I don't know why anyone thought that it was the right decision to put me in a kitchen and give me uh, expectations. I told them it was a bad decision, I think, as they were hiring me, but they were desperate. So uh, we came to the understanding that this was a good move. And oil was everywhere. I got to say that. Like, oil is on the flat top. Oil is all over uh, the place in the kitchen. It's not just being used uh, in places where someone who's maybe never been in the kitchen thinks it is before. Uh, it was all over in place, uh, in fact, so much so that at times the other people who were much better cooks than me had to rein in my amount of oil use. But I would say that if you're going to a Waffle House and worried if something is cooked in oil, the answer is yes. Actually, in the video, the woman even said even the windows have been doused in oil. We assume at some point because uh, that's how prevalent that sort of thing is. Uh, one other one in the world of restaurants, and I'm going to try to tiptoe a portion of this conversation as best I can, but I'm going to use some adult words and we'll just hope that it works out. Uh, apparently, um, Hooters is fighting back on fake news. So Complex Magazine has a story out and an article. I think they put it up on social media, too, about a day ago, a day or so ago, saying that Hooters restaurants are likely to close and then re-strategize because millennials are not a fan of something Hooters is known very well for, which is an odd story. As a millennial, I can say that there are definitely those of us who are a fan of the things that Hooters is known well for, but I digress. I don't want to go too far there. Uh, apparently, this is not on trend. This is not a valuable thing. And actually, Hooters tweeted out that this is fake news. They called it actually the fakest news that has ever been newsed. Um, but there are stories, some of them even linked to in the Complex article, that go back to 2017, where they're even quoting uh, professors. They're quoting people who work at different universities. This person, uh, her name is Sarah Peterson. She's a professor of communications and media at Robert Gordon University. She did an interview in 2017 with Playboy, where she said, and I quote, uh, at the moment, large breasts are out. Uh, they are not um, things that people in that generation like. Uh, but she did end her statement, her professional statement to Playboy magazine by saying they're likely to make a comeback at some point in the future. So they might be out for now, according to millennials. Apparently, Gen Z or excuse me, Gen X, a much bigger fan uh, than millennials, according to the data. I don't know how any of this is built. I don't know how any of this is stuff that people come to or understand or figure out. I just don't really get a lot of this uh, going on because I, I don't know. I, I have friends who are millennials. Uh, I am a millennial, as I said several times, and I don't think there's a problem as far as interest goes uh, there. But I did see a lot of people making fun of this on social media uh, and laughing at the idea that society truly is broken now, that the woke has won in the worst of ways possible. If you're saying that millennials, uh, millennial men are not interested in things that Hooters has been known for for a long time. Maybe it is the food. 
Maybe the food's not as good as we thought. I don't know what it is. Uh, but I just thought that was an interesting story, an interesting debate out there. Uh, and again, just to give you the reaction from the company itself, Hooters said they're doing fine. They're totally understanding um, that everyone else is saying what they're saying, uh, but they don't at all think that that's what's happening to them. They're not seeing signs of it at their own businesses. All right, I got to take a break in just a bit. Uh, after the break, we have a lot of less uh, salacious stuff coming up on the show, although it is actually political news, uh, political conversations, mostly about the border. So there is a certain kind of controversy in that that's just quite a bit different. Uh, but that coming up and more, uh, this is Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. This is The Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Uh, Chad is back after the holidays. So the George Santos story just keeps getting weirder, uh, to say that the uh, best way I possibly can. So George Santos, you don't know who this guy is. He's a politician, a representative-elect at a Long Island in New York. Lied about a bunch of stuff. Uh, Definitely lied about where he went to college. Probably lied about where he went to high school. Uh, apparently uh, lied about the companies he worked with uh, naming fortune 500 companies that he definitely never worked at Uh, questionable whether or not he is in fact Jewish at all, even though he's claimed at times to be a Jew ish. And he pauses on purpose to say that even though I think his grandmother uh, is the claim it was Jewish, uh, he was raised Catholic. Uh, So that's part of how he talks about that. Uh, There is uh, people who've done deeper dives into the family and can't find that to be true. Uh, There's a couple other stories, though, now out. One of them involves whether or not George Santos made up a charity and put it up on GoFundMe under a a alias, Anthony Zabrowski, uh, which I guess is also maybe the maiden name of someone else in his family at one point, the surname of his grandparents. Uh, But he may have made up a charity. Uh, Santos uh, potentially falsely claimed the charity was a 501 uh, C3 uh, tax-exempt nonprofit organization. I was trying to help animals uh, for whatever reason. It's a charity that goes to assisting with animals. I I don't know where this money went or what it went to or if there is some organization that's real and is just not a a 501c3. Um, But yeah, so that's that's out there, too. And they're saying that a lot of different um, organizations or politicians or even prosecutors are going to go after this guy in all kinds of ways. Uh, He says he's going to do a great job in office if he's given a chance to be in office. Uh, There's just so many twists and turns. And then there's also this one. And I'm I'm most confused, I guess, about this one, although stealing money and claiming it's a charity. If that is what happened, I don't know. I'm not saying that I know that. I'm just saying there's reports about stuff like that. Uh, Apparently in um, tweets that were dug up. Uh, and this is just where we're at now with the George Santos. Uh, every part of his life is going to be fine-tooth combed, um, and it should have been fine-tooth combed by his political opponent during the process of trying to win an election 
it wasn't, which is mystifying and confusing to me, too. Uh, but apparently, back in uh, July of last year, uh, Santos put up on social media, 9-11 claimed my mother's life, so I'm blocking so I don't ever have to read this again. Apparently blocking some people who were sharing something. I didn't even look into it. I don't want to look into it. Um, so that's horrible. It makes you feel bad for the guy. Then uh, in December of last year, he put up uh, December 23rd. This makes five years since I lost my best friend and my mentor, my mom. Uh, mom, you will forever uh, be in my heart. So that means that his mother didn't actually pass away until 2016. Now, I, I understand that, and especially when you talk about first responders to 9-11, that a lot of people, and his mother died of cancer, I guess that is definitely true for George Santos. A lot of people wound up getting ill and wound up fighting illnesses um, because of the the things that occurred on 9-11 and people who breathed in stuff that were either survivors or people trying to help that day. So I understand that these dots could actually somewhat be connected to each other, uh, but it's it's an odd additional thing to say whether or not this is an embellishment or factual, et cetera, et cetera. And so this politician on the right, on the left, wherever he is, has potentially lied, embellished, or utilized things that are just all over the place as far as not really caring at all about any part of his his story, any part of his experience, any part of of um, the way in which he talks to his supporters being even remotely close to factual. So I, I get people going after him. I think they probably should uh, go after him. And whether or not he faces any sort of criminal charges uh, is something that I guess prosecutors are going to try to figure out. What I do also think is interesting, though, is the way in which this conversation doesn't wind up indicting a lot of politicians for everyday political lying, which is not quite the same as what George Santos is accused of. Instead, it appears as though if you watch certain stations or you listen to certain legacy media, uh, this is an indictment of the right of Republicans because he's got an R in front of his name. Uh, this is what Republicans do or what they want you to believe Republicans do and what Democrats don't do. But I will just continue to say, as I, I put all this information out there and report on this uh, interesting and uh, ever-twisting story, uh, that a whole lot of politicians lie to the American people every single day. Do they do it quite like George Santos? No. Do they do it the more traditional political ways? Absolutely they do. The White House press secretary lies on a daily basis because the White House tells them to, no matter what side of the aisle they're on, and then uh, every single president lies to you and uh, so on down the line. It's just very interesting to me uh, that the um, machine itself, the political machine, doesn't recognize that George Santos is a product of its own making, of its own doing, more so than I think they want to admit, more so than they want to have a conversation about. No, the rest of us don't lie. We don't embell We don't make stuff up. No, never. None of us. Just that guy. Let's get him out of here. Uh, one other thing I wanted to talk about, and I don't know exactly the way in which I'm going to navigate this conversation on the air with you. I'm just going to be honest. So uh, hopefully this works out well. So there's this story that's gone viral in the last few hours, uh, and it is heartbreaking. CNN is the uh, organization that put this out on television. Uh, they interview a man who lost a chance at a, a heart transplant because he was delayed uh, during travel uh, during the snowstorm. He was not flying Southwest Airlines. I feel like a big reason that any organization, even a CNN, would have done a story quite like this that's as emotional and sad as it is, is because it might tie into a lot of public interest right now in all of the Southwest Airlines craziness, the canceling of flights there, and the, the curiosity I think that a lot of people have as to whether or not 
Medicine has been left in bags that people don't have access to anymore. The heartbreaking stories that might be going on in the world of the Southwest Airlines um, uh, awfulness. And yet CNN propped up this story. A guy was flying Alaska. Alaskan Airlines did everything they could to try to help him. But the blizzard and the blizzard alone is the reason he couldn't make it. And I, I guess I'm even going to play a little bit of this audio, even though I feel like my criticism means I shouldn't. But I just want you to know that it's, it's a real thing. It's out there. Uh, mostly I'll play audio of the setup to the conversation, more so than the audio of the man who at points throughout this eight-minute interview starts crying. Uh, but the reason I thought that this was both a, a sad story and something that uh, if you get roped into it and, and pay attention to it, you feel awful for this person uh, for having this happen to them. But also it's one of those moments where news media pounces on any way to turn whatever's going on in our society into a clickable moment for them. Uh, it feels odd, uh, in, in all honesty, to prop this story up right now, to have this be a conversation on television that's going to go viral all over the Internet. A whole lot of people might misunderstand that this guy was flying Southwest when he wasn't, and I think that's part of the design. I think that's part of the reason to tell this story now. I'm sure stories like this exist every so often, and they're heartbreaking and they're awful. Um, but, uh, again, I want to play part of this because I think this is news media uh, losing its its heart entirely when talking about a guy who is trying to get a, a heart transplant. They, they're just doing whatever they think will be successful for them. as a, And this is what happens all the time. This is why we sensationalize certain news or you talk about, uh, you know, a police officer who did something wrong well more than you talk about a police officer who did something right. Even though there's a tremendous amount of stories of police officers who did things that are right. And I'm not trying to say, like, this is because the airline doesn't deserve this. Alaskan Airlines apparently tried to help this man as much as they can. And I'm sure this man is, is happy to have shared his story, have it out there in the world to, to demonstrate the importance of, of flights being on time and whatnot. All of those things make sense to me. It's just you're, you're utilizing a guy's grief days after he went through a horrible thing in order to probably prop your television station up more than other ones when people are thinking about a different airline and a different problem. But here we go. His wife writing in part on Facebook, quote, the past 25 hours, the most traumatic, difficult hours of Patrick's life. Numerous times his hopes and dreams were lifted to astounding heights and then left to tumble down to the lowest depths of nightmarish proportions, often in the blink of an eye. The cycle repeated itself over and over. Patrick Holland is with us. His canceled flight meant losing a chance for that heart transplant. And I, I want to be clear, uh, This what airline was this? It was Alaska's Air, Alaska Airline. Okay, and it's because of the storm, correct? Yes, because of the storm. I'm, I'm appreciating... Alaska Airline, oh, they, they, to, they jumped through hoops to get me, to get me there. I'm so, I'm so it glad. Is and so I'm so odd. sorry. Okay, hold on a second. It's so odd. It's so weird that that even first part of that conversation happens. Where like, I want to be clear, what airline? And it was just because of the storm. There's no chance uh, we can tie any of this to the other thing and and talk about your pain, your emotional uh, thing that you went through, as if it ties to that greater story and maybe gets a bigger punch for us. Uh, I've talked to a lot of people that I know who work in all kinds of news. That news can be in radio. Uh, it can be locally. It can be nationally. Uh, that news can be in television. And a lot of the people I know, the reporters on the ground, the people who get sent, Chicago is a place that I uh, worked for a very long time and a place that I still live uh, very near to. Uh, and I, I hear stories all the time about the even the Tribune writers and how difficult it is for them to do their job and write about all the horrible uh, things, the violence that goes on every day in Chicago. 
And I'm not trying to say that this man doesn't deserve to have his story told and that it's it's not horribly sad to hear that this guy uh, wound up losing his chance because he get, couldn't get to a place in time to get a life-saving surgery he needs, and now he's got to hope uh, to get a, another chance at that sometime in the future. But it's just the use of this now. It's the timing of this, and it's the, the fact that media... And even at the beginning of that conversation, they want to ask him questions they know answers to. Uh, and I, I don't know exactly why they want to do that, uh, because I, I believe that this is, is how that system first got broken, I guess is what I'm trying to say, or why it, it caught my eye, it grabbed my attention, and why I have a negative take and an otherwise just sad story uh, for what a lot of people will see as, as a demonstration of how important it is, again, for these airlines to get things right as often as they can. And when they can't because of God, because of weather, that's not really their fault. And I'm sure that if stories emerge about Southwest Airlines, CNN will pounce all over them and tell you about it. But I don't know. I felt bad for the guy. Uh, I, will, I will say this, too. And this is kind of a soapboxy rant already. But it is what it is. I'm sorry for doing it. And I thank very much everybody at Radio American Chad Benson for letting me be on a platform quite like this to say it. Uh, but there are times when I see, and especially when it happened out of Uvalde, like that little girl that they interviewed who talked about how scary that day was uh, a little time after having gone through it. I felt bad for her when I saw her on television, when I saw her having that conversation because she went through something horrible and I didn't need as just an everyday person turning on the news to hear from her at that time. I didn't need a little kid trotted out in front of a microphone uh, talking to a reporter with the parents standing by in the corner. I'm not trying to say the parents did anything wrong. And if I guess the little kid wanted to be a part of this interview, that'd be that'd be maybe different if I were the parents of the child. But it's just news media doing news media stuff over and over again all the time. They push for these things. They find ways to have these conversations. And they tell the people they're interviewing that they're helping get the word out on a thing so that they should be happy that they're going to share their pain. But oftentimes, news media cares quite a bit more about just being successful, about just grabbing attention, about just being at the top of the pack in the world of reporting any and all news to you, uh, the salacious, the, the heartbreaking, the whatever it might be, that the business model of that industry has been so broken uh, by maybe the last few years or just uh, years of, uh, in general, trying to, to win the fight that is news, uh, that I, I, again, I just felt sad. Uh, to see this story propped up and, and put out there in the world on CNN this quickly uh, while everyone else in society, maybe, and probably because of news media, too, is paying more attention to a different thing going on in the world of airlines. Uh, but anyway, that's my rant. That's my uh, moment of whatever that just was. I'll try to move on from it. Uh, quick break, a lot more. This is Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Uh, no, deep doo-doo? Yeah, the Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. The Mega Millions keeps going up because nobody wins, uh, which should actually make us not play it, in all honesty. The fact that these Powerballs and Mega Millions go higher and higher should tell people that it's really hard to win. Uh, but as these numbers keep climbing, more and more people get in on it. I do like this story. Uh, there's a guy out of Maryland who said he consults a psychic for a variety of reasons. I don't think it was just uh, about the Mega Millions. Uh, he went there. The psychic told him that his late father had communicated through the psychic telling the son to play the lottery. 
Uh, the son won $40,000. He didn't win uh, the ridiculous millions of dollars, of course, because no one did. Uh, but he won 40000 I guess another local lottery winner uh, years ago accredited uh, a different psychic uh, with also winning the lottery. I wonder if that's the move. You know, or maybe it might even been the same psychic actually be kind of cool in 2017. Um, But I wonder if that's the move. Like you just throw it out there, you know, just you're you're trying it out. You're like, they want you to play the lottery. Uh, And then if they don't win, maybe that was the lesson. Maybe you go back to the psychic and the psychic was like, yeah, I know your your loved one wanted you to know you don't always get all the things you want in life. And then if they do win, the psychic just like puts their, like, I really want to know if maybe she told 100, 200 people uh, the same piece of advice and now only the story goes viral of the one who did it. Uh, but that guy is probably going to go to that psychic now for life, uh, spend all of his $40,000 that he won uh, getting more information. Uh, if someone ever goes to a psychic and the psychic actually gives out all of the Powerball numbers just before the win, then and only then will I credit them for really knowing what's going on. Uh, but I do like that story. I did en- uh, enjoy that it went viral. I saw this, that last night a rare phenomenon allowed you to see every single planet in our solar system, if you had a telescope. Uh, So it's kind of a cool thing that happens uh, rarely every so often. Um, It might happen more often than maybe they they talk about it happening uh, when they they talk about these things. Because here's the one thing I will say, and I feel like I'm just a curmudgeon today. I'm crapping on everything. Uh, But I feel like two or three times a year, uh, we're told that this like once in a lifetime event is going to happen in the sky and you got to watch it. And then another once in a lifetime event happens in the sky a little bit later. Uh, So would it have been cool to be a part of this? Sure. Uh, I guess with the naked eye, you would have been able to see up to five planets uh, just glancing up into the sky, depending on where you are uh, last evening. So that's kind of cool. That's rare and not something you get every single day. But if you had the time and the technology, you could see even more. Uh, So again, for anyone that got to experience that, I I know it sounds cool. I'm not trying to crap it as much as it sounds like I am. But I feel like two months from now, somebody on some radio station somewhere will be telling you, the listener, that there's another once-in-a-lifetime event happening in the sky. And it's just going to keep being a thing every few months. Maybe they like it's like a marketing campaign with NASA or Telescope. Maybe Big Telescope is in on this. I'm not sure. Uh, one other quick thing I wanted to touch on with very little time left. I Maybe I'll talk about this more later. I saw that a woman, in order to try to fight um, some anxiety and depression she had, decided to do a brand new thing every single day for an entire year, and that just ended. The brand new thing could be anything. Watch a movie you've never seen, make food you haven't seen, or take karate classes. Uh, but she said it worked like uh, uh, like uh, perfect. It was amazing because every day she woke up with the excitement of trying out something new, solving a Rubik's Cube, learning how to crack a uh, safe. So there you go. There's an idea for anyone in the new year. Quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Chad is back next week just after the holiday. Uh, So I just want to play this quickly. This is the sick burn of the day, if that's what I want to call it, or at least the news media burn of the day. This is Fox News, of course, criticizing the current president 
for being on vacation, uh, which is something that I can probably say every so often, uh, flip sides, say maybe it's going to be CNN in a few years and the Republican president, whatever it might be. But this is uh, same, same as far as something going on. But I do, I do really like uh, this burn. Here we go. Air Force One got President Biden to his Caribbean vacation, no problem. But thousands of Americans were not so lucky. And now- Ouch! There you go. There's a little punch, a little jab. Uh, Jackie Heinrich of Fox News uh, throwing that out there. Air Force One got the president to his vacation. Totally great. Everybody else screwed. All their bags, who knows where they are. Uh, maybe Air Force One should just start flying other people around. Uh, that is not a real idea. I don't mean that. Uh, I think that feels like a Bernie Sanders idea. Air Force One's for everybody. Anyway, all right, let's move on to this. Uh, Chip Roy uh, is out there spitting fire is the way that this is described on social media. I do uh, enjoy this a bit. A little bit repetitive, the back and forth between him and the Fox host. Uh, But darn it, us fill-in people, sometimes we're not as succinct as we need to be. Uh, But the overall message, very valuable. Uh, The overall message from Chip being that um, Congress people are disappointed. Republican congressmen and congresswomen are disappointed because the Senate decided it was easier to deal with Democrats, easier to accept things that Democrats wanted in exchange for stuff that Senate Republicans wanted and not have to fight with a new majority in the House when Republicans get into office in the near future. So essentially, they made a deal with the opposing team because they didn't like the people coming in that were part of their own side, which is not good, I would think, in the world of relationships within a political party. But here we go. And the most important question, why would 18 Republican senators do that and stick it to the House Republican majority after the American people gave us the majority? That's a good question. And, and, and so you look at 18 Republican senators who voted for this bill. They could have done just a, a CR, a continuing resolution, continuing spending for you know a, a month or you know six weeks until you guys took over control of the House and you could have had your own Republican bill. They chose not to do that. Have you asked any Republican senator, one from Texas yourself, um, why they would have done this to Republicans who are about to take over control of the U.S. House doesn't make any sense. Yeah, sure. I've asked a number of them, and, and the answers are pretty pathetic, to be honest <laughs> with you, from all of them. What do they say? Look, I love that part of it. It makes me feel like I'm watching a conversation right before a fight in the WWE. Those answers are pathetic, and now i got to slap you across the face. Uh, there is more from Chip Roy. There is no excuse for voting this None. bill. Well, what they tell you is, well, this is the best we were going to get, Chip. And you know what they mean Chip. by that? It's not our debate about the speaker's race. What they actually mean by that is you guys would have fought us over the spending levels on the That's military right. spending and on Ukraine. This was all about Ukraine money. You guys would have wanted us to spend less money. And we didn't want to talk to you guys about that because we as a, as a collective, as the Senate, even these 18 Republicans, we wanted to spend way more money that we don't have on stuff, especially, I think, a uh, conversation about Ukraine, uh, which feels like more and more that the American people themselves are starting to to have that conversation. They don't all feel comfortable having it. Uh, even friends of mine that I, that I talk to about some of this are like, no, I definitely don't want Russia to win. I want Ukraine to win. But uh, how much money have we given them? Like, how, what's the dollar amount? Okay. Uh, is there a way we can figure out how to maybe uh, not do that anymore? That's part of, the, I think, the continuing conversation i think it would have reflected american people's desire as much as i think new uh politicians in the house uh, and their desire to maybe get things done relatively cheaper uh, anyway one other thing i thought was interesting uh, that's out there in the world uh, it's been bouncing around for about a day or so uh, this is from uh, fox this is lisa marie booth 
uh, sitting in with the out uh, as a part of Outnumbered, I should say. And they're talking about how the Marine Corps is trying to change some of their rules. I just want to play this um, in entirety. I want to play the setup because I think even though the reaction from Lisa Marie is wildly entertaining for me, uh, the actual conversation itself, the thing they're contemplating switching is is worrisome. And I think the reason why it's worrisome is exactly as she puts it. This will garner within the Marine Corps, within the military oh. branches of the government and in general, more respect for female members of the military. That's By the way, what they're actually setting up, I guess we did miss a part of that. It's that they're removing sir or ma'am uh, from the way in which the Marine Corps would uh, talk to their officers. You would no longer say sir or ma'am uh, because there's less respect for women, according to somebody somewhere and doing it that way. That's what the authors said in that report. Well, you look at all this leftist woke garbage and, you know, victimhood leads to weakness, right? Yep. And you can't have a strong military with people who think they're a victims, right? Everyone's aggrieved. It's going to weaken the military. But I think we also just have a weakened country, right? We have a lack of masculine men because we've told them that it's toxic. I even see it with dating. Like, I think I need to, like, challenge dates to an arm wrestling competition. And that if I win, there's no second date. Uh -oh. <laughs> like, we just we need more toxic masculinity in the country. To win, no, you get but the second date, yeah, with of you. course, yeah. Seconds. If I beat them, no People second are gonna date. Ask. <laughs> if I beat them, no second date. So many guys that might be asking her out are now uh, making sure that they have all that buttoned up because she looks like she might work out. But I feel like a lot of people uh, should be able to win that fight. Anyway, uh, the thing I thought was most valuable about that, and I feel like maybe I might have talked about this yesterday, so I apologize if it's coming up again. Uh, but it's still viral; it's still bouncing all over the internet. Uh, but the thing I find most interesting is the idea that toxic masculinity is the same as masculinity to a lot of people. Uh, it doesn't matter if the things are you being a jerk, you being um, uh, just a crappy person, man, woman, whatever. And then the other thing is you just being a dude. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's just uh, things a guy likes and women don't like, and we're not the same. And I don't know when we started pretending we were, but it's all very odd and very confusing. And certainly within the world of the Marine Corps and probably the more valuable part of that conversation uh, when it comes to our country and our society and protecting it is that I would not want to weaken uh, the Marine Corps in any way, shape or form. And certainly not mentally. I have a lot of family members who are in the Marines. I have a, a uncle who made it very, very high into the Marine Corps. And actually, uh, even though he's retired now, uh, still would probably do a lot of uh, uh, great things if needed, if called upon for any reason whatsoever. And actually, he intimidates the crap out of me in a good way uh, as a guy that um, you would not want to, say, be on the opposing side of. I have another uncle who's a Marine as well. That's another uh, person that just behaves the way you'd probably want your military to behave. He actually makes fun of me. My other uncle, this is Uncle John, uh, not the guy who made it quite as high up in the Marines. Uh, it always reminds me when I talk about both of them, I need to stop rubbing it in. Uh, but my Uncle John corrects me whenever I say anything, any phrase, any any sentence. I, I try to be nice about a thing. Uh, he's like, hey, man, don't, don't do that. Just be a normal person. Just come on. Like, speak like the rest of us do. And so I know they would both hate this. I know that a lot of the other family members and friends I have would think this is being ridiculous. Uh, this is adding a lot of um, people in a room who are thinking a whole lot about silly things uh, and putting that burden on people who are being asked to say, defend, protect our country. Uh, they need to think about clear tasks, clear goals, and not really worry about whether or not the terms sir or ma'am are somehow offensive. And actually, by the way, just on that point, too, I didn't want to dive too much further into the research on it, but just the basics of it. I think that's insane. Uh, anytime anyone is respectful enough to me, especially like, say, a young a military person that does not need to call me a sir 
or anytime I've heard them call my wife or anyone else a ma'am, it seems incredibly respectful to both of us. It doesn't seem like there's any difference at all, uh, in my opinion, in the way it's executed. So it's just adding uh, thought to a thing that doesn't actually occur the way that someone somewhere thinks it could happen. They think this could be a thing, and so they want to attack it for it. All right, uh, other stuff out there, just silly stuff. Uh, quickly, before we take a break, I do like this. So there's a write-up about how the different generations may be able to learn things from each other in the workplace. And I know immediately, depending on whatever generation you are, you've probably dismissed every part of this of all the other generations across the board. I think Gen Z, I think Gen X, I think millennials, everybody does it. Uh, and they actually mention in here that a lot of baby boomers are retired, if not close to retirement. Uh, but there's definitely things that can be learned from that generation as well. One of, some of my favorite things mentioned here, though, is first the obvious. Uh, millennials and Gen Z can probably help the Gen X or uh, baby boomers in technology, although a lot, I think, of basic everyday work technology has been mastered by everyone. I don't think it's the same thing it used to be uh, where you'd make the joke that someone had to help you like figure out how to use a computer. I think we're way beyond that. But maybe some of the newer ways of communicating, newer uh, apps, whatever they might be, things that make uh, workflows easier or, or you capable of doing some work quicker. Uh, there probably are things uh, that younger generations, I'm a millennial and Gen Z, even uh, younger, obviously, and maybe more savvy than us, uh, that they know some things and they could share them. So that I do think is valuable. Uh, it mentions communication style here, too. And it says how Gen X would probably be one of the best at teaching, say, Gen Z and millennials how to actually talk, how to have conversations, how to say things. Uh, in rooms where people are, uh, all kinds of different ways. And even when, quote, conflicts arise, uh, they think that probably both baby boomers and Gen X are much better at dealing with them with words rather than going and, like, say, stewing in a corner, uh, which might be a thing you see more often uh, with younger professionals in the workplace. Uh, one other one that I thought was interesting mentioned here, too, and I thought it had a lot of value because of the spin on it, uh, the, the basic sentiment is that Gen Z could teach older generations, specifically Gen X, actually, how to demand more things in a workplace, how to ask for better conditions, a raises, whatever it might be, because, quote, Gen Z is very demanding. They have a lot of desires, a lot of um, uh, expectations uh, in their workplace or say, again, compensation, whatever it might be. Uh, and here's the reason why this article says um, that this is something that one generation could provide to another generation. It's not because Gen Z is right with what they're doing. They don't have leverage. They don't have a career and a whole bunch of years of, say, success or maybe even uh, working at the same company, uh, which is also mentioned in this, that loyalty and working up the ladder is something that older generations could teach younger generations. You don't give up and move on when the first job you get is bad. Uh, you wait for a much better job by working hard and showing the company you're capable of more. Uh, but if Gen X specifically, or if other generations made the same demands as Gen Z, or just whatever demands they actually want, probably not the same, because of that leverage, because of that work experience, because of that value that they've demonstrated to the companies they work for, they probably would get a lot more of the things they ask for. Uh, but this article seems to think, uh, and I'm not sure that I can entirely say that this is true, but it might be, uh, that people in those stages of their professions are less likely to ask for stuff. They're less likely to push back, to to demand certain things, maybe even just like a, a raise that's uh, connected more to inflation and whatnot's going on in our society. Uh, there's several examples where maybe some 
uh, who've been in the workplace a while decide this fight's not worth having. And maybe because of their unique position in the workplace, they'd actually be told, yes, where Gen Z is just fired. All right. I don't know, again, if everybody's going to agree with that. That's fine. I just thought it was an interesting version of the demands are right. They're coming from the wrong people. A quick break. A lot more. Craig Collins filling in in the Chad Benson Show. Running with scissors sounds great compared to this. Say This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots and lots of stuff to talk about. Chad is back uh, just after the holidays. Uh, There's some artist by the name of Max. Uh, He's from Germany. Uh, Apparently, he wanted to set up a unique thing in the African desert uh, a few years ago. This is back in 2019. Uh, It's been making the rounds recently because maybe someone found it. Uh, He hit it somewhere in the African desert, too, so it's not the exact location isn't provided to all. But essentially, he set up these pillars, these white pillars. He put speakers on them. He then put an MP3 player somewhere in this situation. He wired up a bunch, or not wired up, but he set up a bunch of solar panels to power the MP3 player. And then he plays one song on repeat randomly somewhere in the desert. Uh, It is Toto's Africa, just playing on repeat in the African desert. Uh, So if you stumble upon this, you're definitely sure it's a mirage. Every part of you, every step of the way, every moment that you're deprived and lost and confused in the desert, outside of that first moment where you thought you faintly heard Toto's Africa and you were about to discover people and be saved, every moment after that, when you're standing in the middle of a weird art project, you're like, this this isn't real. Uh, this is not happening. Uh, but I guess it is. I guess it's out there uh, for some reason. Uh, as I said, it was put together in 2019. Uh, it is art. Uh, I'm told it is art. And uh, if you get lucky enough to find it, congratulations to you. Uh, but again, it's somehow hidden or, or somehow a thing uh, that not many people are probably ever going to stumble upon. I like the idea of it, to be honest. I find that pretty funny. Uh, the only song that might have been more valuable is the opening song to The Lion King. Uh, but Toto's Africa works just fine for me, too, as far as a song on repeat by itself. Uh, if anybody is in earshot of that that actually lives somewhere close by, which I don't think is a thing, they're definitely going over there and unplugging it, and it's definitely not playing anymore. So I hope he did a really good job of making sure it's around no people uh, because any people anywhere are definitely destroying that 100% within hours of him having left. Uh, but I, I guess it might still be up. All right, other things I saw out there, I thought this was interesting. Uh, Gen Z apparently is claiming that they invented a thing they didn't invent. Uh, That's something that happens a lot for them. Uh, This one is on social media. Uh, It says that the 12 grape custom, uh, which is where you eat 12 grapes one at a time uh, relatively quickly just before midnight on New Year's Eve. You make a wish on every individual grape and you hope that those things come true. Uh, Each grape actually represents the month of the year that is to come uh, each month of the year in 2023 for us. Uh, This is a long-time Latin, Hispanic uh, origin kind of thing. Uh, My wife has actually done this with me before. She's from Mexico. She'll grab like a fistful of grapes right before the new year, Uh, whether we're at a party or we're just uh, maybe out to eat or wherever we are. uh, She'll make sure to have them, and then she does. She makes sure we eat. We each have 12. Uh, You're supposed to finish the last one right around midnight or at least by 12.01, I think, at the latest. If it's after that, you're screwed and your wishes don't come true. 
Uh, but Gen Z somehow made this popular now on social media, and they're calling it the hashtag 12 Grapes Challenge, and they're pretty sure they invented it, because uh, yet again, that's just the world uh, we live in. If you figure out something or somebody tells you a thing, and then it goes viral, no one else cares, and it's theirs. Uh, actually, it's totally fine. Uh, maybe another thing we can make Gen Z's is being capable of getting on the phone. I'm making that be a new hashtag, a new trend on the phone challenge, guys. It's crazy. We're talking and not not scared of talking anymore. I don't know. I can't get over that story from yesterday of how there's a woman who makes a crap ton of money helping young people, millennials and Gen Z, uh, get on the phone. It is very sad for my generation uh, because when I grew up, darn it, there that was the only way to talk to someone. Uh, we didn't have cell phones, so it's not that hard. Everybody can figure it out. All right, this other thing I thought was kind of funny. Uh, you be the judge. I got about a minute left before a break. Uh, so this couple in Florida, 21 years ago, was convinced that they lost an engagement ring uh, in the toilet. So I guess the the now wife, but then fiance of the man, uh, her name is Shayna, uh, said that she was sure it dropped down there. She needs to find it. They did everything they could uh, to try to get the ring out of the toilet. Didn't work. 21 years later, uh, mom comes along and says, hey, I'm going to replace your toilet for you. It's getting old. It's been at least 21 years. Uh, they replace it, and boom, there's the ring caught in a pipe sitting there for 21 years uh, going through things that no ring uh, should ever go through in the history of time. Uh, the woman said when she saw it, she started ugly crying and, and just couldn't believe that they finally found it. She was so happy about it. Uh, it is mentioned here in the article that they intend to get it deeply cleaned. And if they can't get it clean enough, which I don't think they can, 21 years is way too long. Nothing can clean it as much as you want it to. They might try to remove just the diamond that's in it and get that put on a new piece of jewelry that didn't see 21 years of horrors. But I'm not sure. Uh, good luck to them. I don't even know if you can clean the diamond that much. But it's awesome they found it. Quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on the Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts independent life this is chad benson this is the chad benson show my name is craig collins filling in our society is broken uh, there we go that's uplifting right in time for the holiday right before the end of the year uh, but it is and this is one of the demonstrations of it uh, this story from a couple days ago out of virginia is about a school a school that decided not to tell students that were doing well not to tell students that were actually national merit scholars it's a pretty big deal in high school uh, that they had achieved something. The reason they uh, decided not to inform these students of their success, it was going to hurt the other kids' feelings. This is real. This is an actual story. Here's some of the Fox 5 audio that covered it uh, locally there. You may be wondering, how is this even uncovered? Well, a parent discovered Thomas Jefferson High School for Science and Technology wasn't telling students about their awards after she found out her own son was among the nation's top 3% of students. Teachers allegedly dropped certificates unceremoniously on students' desk about a month past special deadlines for National Merit Scholars. The mother says when she confronted the Director of Student Services about it by phone, he allegedly said school leaders underplayed 
delayed the recognition because they didn't want to hurt the feelings of other students who weren't being honored. Wow. The role of these educators is to have children achieve their full potential, not to limit their potential. That's what they've done. They've, they've betrayed the trust of, the, of our community. They, they cannot be trusted. I cannot trust them with my child. You know what I was thinking about about this? And I feel bad for that parent uh, saying I can't trust them with my child, meaning educators with a child who's doing well in school, which is what my assumption is. If that guy's that mad about this, I don't know for sure. Uh, but you know what's even more interesting to me is that there are probably some kids uh, in the way in which society is right now, uh, the way in which the woke demand certain things and conversations have to go a certain way and uh, you can't say this, you can say that, uh, you can't say this, but she can say this, whatever it might be, that some people uh, force all these different ideologies on the rest of us, or at least believe they can, is that I bet you some of those uh, National Merit Scholars, some of those students who achieved, actually did feel ashamed or bad about it because of how the school acted, uh, because of the students who might have gotten mad when they were told that they're allowed to get mad at that and they're allowed to put that anger on somebody else it's not them uh, if they didn't actually achieve the same thing i bet you there are students who succeeded who kind of wish they hadn't and that's awful that's destroying our society that's destroying our our system education whatever it might be uh, that's taking those who will do great things in their lives and making them feel as though they should be ashamed of the stuff that makes them different, that separates them in a valuable way. It's it's just insanity. Uh, beyond even that basic thought, I, I believe that for the kids that didn't achieve what they thought they, they could have, they didn't work up to their potential, essentially, uh, by being told that they don't have to listen or watch or see someone else get an achievement that maybe they could have also uh, done for themselves, uh, it, it fails to motivate them. It, de it demonstrates to them that what they're doing is fine, uh, not living up to your potential is no big deal. It's okay. And we're all just going to keep moving on from this. And when the reality is that there are some kids uh, that would see something like that, that would want to be a part of that, that would work harder uh, if that's something that they're capable of doing uh, and becoming a part of the group that gets awards like that, or at least succeeds, say, after high school in a different way. There's so many valuable avenues as to why acknowledging people doing well actually has a net positive effect on the entire group uh, that are just not talked about because we found we found something that we think is the negative. So we're going to go ahead and do it this way. And actually, another version of this same thing, uh, what Elon Musk calls the woke mind virus taking over society, is this vice uh, stuff that went uh, viral. Uh, this is Vice magazine, somebody wanting to get a collection of people together. I think it's a collection of women and just talk about the tough things the difficult conversations of the day. And at some point, as things are getting more and more personal, as the people that she's talking to are turning on each other, and she's trying eventually to say, no, 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 we just want to talk about issues. We didn't want to talk about the people in the room. Uh, two of the women seem to be very close to a fight, and it's because one woman is saying that her opinion doesn't seem to matter anymore because of the color of her skin, because of the way that um, she is accepted in society. And the other woman, and I'll play the audio and you'll hear this scary, terrifying, almost like um, uh, villain-esque laughter uh, of the woman who's getting mad about the things the other person is saying. Uh, but it's just sort of crazy because this is an example of the intolerant left. This is an example of how dare you say that? How dare you think that? How dare you not uh, change your mind immediately and understand that you had your time? It's my time now. It's still hate. It's just hate in a weird way. And again, I think it demonstrates a lot of the flaws and problems with uh, saying some people can talk and other people can't. No matter who those people are, I thought that the actual way to get equality is to have everybody talking.
But here we go. Getting personal. I don't want it to be personal. A lot of us live in this space where we're told that our opinions don't count because they're not the right kind of opinions. And we're constantly shouted over and talked over regardless of what we look like because there's one group in society that basically takes precedence. And it's frustrating. So, yeah, of course, it's it's frustrating because when we try to talk about it, we get shouted down. We get told to be quiet. We get get spooked down, too, as well. Mercifully. There's hostility there for plenty of women. Let's try to make... Make this an opportunity to speak. You're literally with each a white woman then. from Australia. You live in a bubble, and your that voices that have been silenced forever finally can be heard. You know what I think is really interesting about that too, outside of just the terrifying aspect of it, is I think a lot of people have rage that is deserved, that that has value. You know, whether you're someone who feels that your community hasn't been heard from, or that um, you know people who look and sound like you haven't been uh, put in positions of power in companies, wherever it might be. There's a lot of reasons why rage makes sense. Uh, But what doesn't make sense is where the rage gets placed or how the expectation is that the rage will get removed from our society uh, by yelling, screaming, attacking those who we think are, quote, a part of the problem, whoever they might be in any situation, Republican, Democrat, whatever the the argument is. The president of the United States right now uh, goes on television and says we all need to unite. We all need to come together. Uh, We need to stop the vitriolic problems that exist within politics or society And then a little bit later in those same conversations says that a MAGA Republican is a terrible person, more or less, who's about to cause the downfall of democracy itself. So everybody does it. Uh, They all do it. And so if you do want this idyllic world that probably can exist, uh, that probably never will exist, where we're all jumping and and bouncing in meadows with bunnies uh, and everybody is nice to everybody, then what you actually are talking about is everybody having um, respect, everybody being able to voice your opinion. You're not talking about rage. You're not talking about the anger and the shut up now, it's my turn to talk uh, version of of behavior that so many have. And they feel justified. They have right in having it because they can find an avenue to where, you know what, no, my anger. It's the same thing that happened with news, actually, um, where news organizations during the the height of the looting and rioting uh, for all that the um, reaction was to the George Floyd, um, the death of George Floyd and, and all of that story and all of the, the racial components of it. Uh, news organization after news organization said into their televisions that this rioting, this looting was pr- pretty much OK. It was it was understandable. It's fine. It's not a big deal that uh, companies and whatnot were getting torched and destroyed, even if those companies were part of the same uh, communities that they were uh, mad you know, the same communities that were rioting and, and looting. And I know you've heard this take before. This take is all over the place, but it's just interesting because, again, uh, deciding that the anger itself is fine if the right people have it still makes us an angry society. It still makes some people very, very angry, whoever they are. Again, I mean predominantly Republican and Democrat. I don't want someone to hear this whole segment as me just trying to attack a race or, or a race or anything like that. Uh, but I do think it's interesting. Uh, because uh, we're not evolving, those that, that think that we are, uh, when we just displace or misplace the anger, put it in a different place, maybe a place it wasn't even before, and create it now over here. Uh, we're just causing the rage and all those things to exist in our society and telling people that it's fine. It's okay. You can cackle. You can laugh. You can sound like an insane person. And then you can yell out loud uh, that you're a, a white person who lives in a bubble and you have no idea what you're talking about even though you actually have no idea what that person has experienced. All right, that was kumbaya enough. Let's move on. Uh, one last thing. I wanted to play this. Uh, I do enjoy this. It's sort of like an end-of-the-year list, I guess, if you want to call it that. 
Uh, Rand Paul, a few days ago, uh, was talking about the ridiculous spending of our government. I think he was actually uh, quoting things from the 2020 uh, calendar year, more so than 2021. Uh, But some of the examples he gives as to stuff that the government has spent your money on, it's pretty insane. It's pretty ridiculous. Here are a few examples of the worst financial decisions of the last year or so. Uh, This is the list I'll say that Rand was creating. Uh, They're pretty, pretty bad. How does Congress spend taxpayers' money? Well, here's just a few examples of how your government currently spends money. We found that they spent, last year, $2.3 million injecting beagles with cocaine. It seems that they were curious, their researchers were curious, despite the pain they inflicted on these dogs, they were curious to know if cocaine causes adverse effects. Guess what? Read the newspaper. Yes. Read the news. Look at the addicts across our country. You think you need to inject beagles with cocaine to know that cocaine's a bad deal? $700,000 was spent to study how male parrots attract their mate. Really? We've got people who go hungry in our country. We got ah, people that are know. trying to get out from behind yeah. poverty, and we're spending seven hundred thousand dollars studying how male parrots attract a female. By the way, he goes on and on about more and more of those ridiculous things, including one in which apparently the government spent money on a metal ring that somehow is tied to both Marvel and Thanos. And I don't know exactly what that connection is, but I do know that it's hilarious and sad uh, that my uh, taxpayer dollars, your taxpayer dollars, wound up going into some sort of um, government thing that actually referenced Thanos. And again, I don't want to dive into all the details on that. Uh, We're going to run out of time. We're going to take a quick break. Uh, But it's real. It's out there. You can look it up. It's crazy. A quick break. A lot more. Craig Collins filling in in the Chad Benson Show. No need to socially distance while listening to your Chad Benson Show podcast. Four out of five experts say so. I'm a scientist. There is no corona. But hurry before they change their mind. You know they will. Chad's podcast found on iTunes, iHeart, Spotify, and wherever you find your favorite COVID-free podcasts. Oh my gosh. I kind of like it. I'm not going to lie. This is the Chad Benson Show. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. Chad is back just after the holiday. A much-deserved vacation for one of the most talented people I know and hardest-working guys I know in this industry. Uh, Just quickly, I thought this was interesting. Uh, Apparently, a new study demonstrates that Gen Z are the most well-behaved generation compared to other generations when you think about some stuff that we used to do in high school specifically. Uh, This is stuff like drugs, booze, sex, all of the above. Uh, Apparently, the stats on everything is declining. Uh, One example, 80% of Americans in 10th grade in the 1990s reported having been to at least one pretty crazy party, uh, one rager, as it's called. Uh, That number has shrunk all the way down to 57% uh, by 2017. Uh, Use of uh, alcohol, use of uh, pot, use of all kinds of things has gone down, although actually it's pointed out in this study that they kind of cut off around 2019 for some of those uh, pot stats, uh, where it says something like 45% of youth 
uh, teenagers uh, in the 90s were smoking pot. That's down to 34% uh, now. Uh, but more and more places have legalized marijuana, uh, not necessarily for uh, teenagers, for high school kids, uh, but that might impact some of the data moving forward, it says here. Uh, even the amount of kids who are, are, say, sexually active has changed a lot. Uh, it was 20% uh, recently. That is down from up to 40% in the 90s of people said that they were, um, you know, no longer uh, a virgin. Uh, so there's a lot of stats on here, a lot of things on this list that say essentially that your kids are better behaved than you were or I was or anyone else was in previous generations. Uh, but if you look a little bit deeper into the, the why, uh, one of those things might be a, be a tad concerning. It's because they don't go to places where other people are. That's what it says here. They're not really face to face with friends or uh, going out in public as much or doing any of the things that, say, our past generations did, uh, whatever generation that might be. Uh, that where, you know, the in-person part is sort of uh, required or assumed a lot of this stuff, uh, certainly going to a party or the, some of those other things I mentioned, uh, you would need to be in the same place uh, in order to do that stuff. So I thought it was very interesting that really the cause here might not necessarily be more children that want to behave better. It might just be more kids that aren't in a place with other people at all. And that sounds like a uniquely different problem uh, that might still exist. But hey, if you want to turn a loss into a win, that's one way to do it. Uh, talk about all the things they're not doing since they're not leaving their room at all. Uh, that's pretty good. I saw this story. I thought it was interesting. And I guess it's more of a, uh, a PSA or a warning to anyone. Uh, some guy, I think this was in Germany, uh, said that they bought a, a technology device, a, um, a router, a, a storage device as well, a modem. Uh, they bought it from some store for a MacBook that they owned. And when they looked into it, they found a whole bunch of files and stuff still stored on it because whoever owned it previously, uh, this drive, this time capsule is what it's called, didn't delete all the stuff on it. And then as he went through it, he might have found out that the guy was probably a, a well-off person with a lot of different uh, financial records and other things. I'm not going to dive too much into the details of what this person uh, found on this drive from this other individual that is not them. Uh, but it is essentially a good moment to tell people to delete stuff. Uh, you don't want to you don't want to leave your information, uh, all the things that you would not want in the hands of anyone else on, say, a computer. You leave at a, a repair place, Hunter Biden, and then get all that talked about by the whole world. Uh, because, well, in some situations, somebody might be crappy enough to even want to go viral and share all of your uh, sordid history. They say dirty secrets here um, on their social media page to gain a following. So this guy is going through all of that stuff in the time capsule to see what salacious things he can find. Um, but it definitely is a valuable reminder, again, to all uh, that you should delete the stuff, whatever it might be uh, that you're donating or trying to get rid of. Uh, you should not just go ahead and hand it in and hope somebody else does it for you. Again, uh, things that uh, everyone in the Democratic Party wishes they told Hunter Biden. But stuff I'm very happy Hunter didn't know because I'm very interested in the next year and what's going to come out uh, there. All right. One other quick thing. I thought this was interesting, and then we'll, we'll take a break uh, just very quickly. Uh, there's a woman, Amelia, 37 years old. I guess she's doing well in the real estate uh, industry in Florida. Uh, she is so proud of the fact that she's never needed a man at any point in her life uh, that she recently, quote, froze her eggs and intends to get pregnant in the next couple of years with or without a guy because she said, again, <laughs> that I'm not dependent and will never depend on men for anything. Uh, people are hailing her. They, they're very happy about uh, what she's doing here and claiming how uh, she's a great example of an independent woman. Uh, sounds like there are some positives you can draw from this, but also it sounds like she might be a little bit intense. I'll put that out there too. 
as my biggest uh, lame criticism of the day. All right, quick break, a lot more. Greg Collins filling in in the Chad Benson Show. Man, the break saved me from that one. Chad Benson Show. Independent thoughts, independent life. This is Chad Benson. This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Thrilled to be with you. Lots of stuff to talk about. Almost the end of the year. I I did want to focus on this for a second uh, because I think it's odd. And this uh, comes on the heels of a story that's uh, been out for the last day or so. Uh, The Governor Ron DeSantis will investigate a Christmas drag show in South Florida that was allegedly marketed toward children. Uh, In that drag show, I think someone even pretended to give birth at one point. That's one of the things they're talking about. Uh, But this investigation uh, will be valuable to a lot of people because, well, uh, a lot of that sounds like it was inappropriate to to put children uh, in that situation to see that kind of stuff. Uh, It was actually marketed as like a family-friendly drag show. Uh, But here's the thing. Without diving deeper into just that one story, uh, because I don't think I have to, uh, to make the point I'd like to make, uh, 2022, and maybe even actually the last couple years, will go down as years in which we used kids to fight a lot of battles. Uh, in our society. Uh, What I mean by that is whether it was wearing masks in school, whatever it was, uh, as far as these sort of things are concerned, uh, even when you talk about uh, different surgeries and whatnot and how some say they should be performed on kids, others say they shouldn't be performed on children, that's probably a really bad idea. Uh, Conversation after conversation that has maybe some sort of uh, political slant to it, Uh, I think just education in general in schools, how people... um, Uh, feel about whether or not we teach certain things uh, to kids and how exactly we we instruct them on that. Teaching kids about history is good. Everyone believes that. DeSantis absolutely believes that and has said it multiple times. Uh, Teaching kids about critical race theory seems wrong. It seems bad uh, because, well, it's not really going to be taught the way it is in a law school uh, for someone that's studying to get a actual law degree and it's probably going to be taught with different agenda in mind in the first place. It's going to be taught uh, in a way where you're saying that some kids in this room are inherently bad because of how they look, and other kids are inherently victims because of how they look, and all of that uh, seems wrong. But but conversation after conversation, uh, the slant on how it's impacting our kids becomes a valuable part of how one side or the other side tries to argue through their points. And I think that that's horrible in several ways, uh, several reasons. Uh, Yes, protecting children is utterly important. Anyone who wants to keep something, whatever it might be, away from their kids, a parent, has every right to do it, whatever it might be that they want to keep their kids away from. I don't understand the need to drag kids into these conversations to do, say, again, to go back to the example that started this, uh, the drag show in South Florida, say it's family friendly and then have it not be family friendly, uh, but have that be a thing that kids were just involved in. Because I'm fairly certain about this. I have no children of my own. I have nieces and nephew around the ages of a lot of the, the kids that we talk about within these news stories. They don't really have any idea what's going on sometimes. Uh, They certainly have things that will impact them uh, at all this stuff we're talking about. 
But for the most part, what they seem to understand, and this is me uh, and my um, basic um, experiences here, so maybe correct me if I'm wrong, uh, feel free to do it. A lot of the kids will, will walk into whatever the situation is and be like, man, I don't know what all the arguing is about. Uh, I probably would rather, uh, I would probably prefer, excuse me, to just be a kid, to just go do kid things and not be involved in any of these adult arguments we're having. Uh, did you need to talk about the requirement of wearing masks in school because schools were forcing them on children? Yeah. Do you need to talk about the reality that kids shouldn't be at a drag show like this, uh, even though some are trying to get them there? Yes. I just don't know why, in order to um, make society behave a certain way or, or do certain things, uh, kids have become the battleground much more often than they ever were before. It's odd. It's strange. And I'm sure over the course of the year, uh, you can type in different uh, things into Google and just add the word uh, impact on kids or something and just find story after story of this news, that news, this political opinion, that one. Uh, I think in 2023, and this is going to be as soapboxy and and, uh, dumb as possible, but I'm just going to say it and then move on. The thing we should most do as a collective in society, uh, right, left, middle, everybody, just let kids be kids. Uh, Let parents be parents. Let them choose what is right and wrong uh, for their children. But let's leave kids out of a a lot of these arguments uh, moving forward. Let's not put them in situations uh, where they're at things that that seem as though they're inappropriate. And they're going to be there's now an investigation into why that actually occurred. You don't need to win your argument if you're failing to convince other adults uh, that you're right and they're wrong. Uh, by convincing children of anything, that's usually a really bad move. It actually usually shows the weakness in most arguments that if you can't get the other other adults in the room to be on your side, well, darn it, let's just force the kids to do it. That'll be great. That'll be better. Uh, that seems to be very bad and very wrong uh, indeed. All right, other stuff, shifting gears, way less serious. I'm going to try to lighten up, especially since as a guy without a kid, I could be woefully ignorant. as a lot of what I just said there. I saw this, that if you got an a, a Amazon Alexa device or any kind of smart device uh, over the holiday, if someone gave you one, uh, you should be very careful what rooms you put it in in your home. Uh, a lot of experts are saying definitely not the bedroom, uh, definitely not the bathroom. I don't know why anyone would put a device in the bathroom, uh, but because more often than not, there are times where even if it uh, does something that uh, probably whoever it is behind whatever smart device we're talking about can claim, no, you said that trigger word that made it pay attention to you and then record stuff, odds are that's going to happen a lot. So if you did get a smart technology device, if you did get something that you hadn't had before, uh, you should definitely be very um, specific about what places you choose to put uh, those kind of things. You know, it's funny about this as I throw this out there as a piece of advice. I have a smart house. I'm a millennial. I really like my smart house. And I have multiple Amazon devices in multiple rooms in my house. Uh, We do have one in the bedroom. So I'm not listening to this advice, but it's actually normally uh, blocked, muted. There's a button on it that I hope works, that I've been told time and again probably doesn't work, and I'm being dumb anyway, uh, but it's usually off. And the only time we ever turn it on, uh, or maybe it's the only time we should ever plug it in, is when we, for some reason, want to talk to it in the bedroom. Something like, what's the forecast for today, or whatever it might be. Uh, But for the most part, it's actually turned off, which is probably, again, not the right move, uh, not the smart advice, but at least something I feel like we're doing. And my wife has actually asked me before, too, should we move that out of the bedroom? Uh, So maybe we should. Maybe now I will definitely do it. But I've always said, nah, it's muted. We're fine. And she just lets that go at that. All right. I saw this story. uh, Definitely silly. 
uh, definitely totally different and just out there in the world. Uh, a guy, um, I guess, wanted to, this is a quote, be a dog. Uh, he wanted to experience being a dog. He really uh, have, has always loved dogs. And so he spent about $20,000 on a very realistic dog costume uh, that he puts over himself and then walks around awkwardly in his home as a human-sized version of a dog. I guess he even might have some social media pages. I'm not going to direct you to them. I'm not telling you where to go or whatever. Um, but here's the thing. He did an interview recently. His name is Toko. Uh, he lives in Japan. And he said that he's worried, even though he's invested all the money and started putting up the social media videos, he's worried that some of his friends might think that he's weird. Uh, they might think that he's strange for wanting to be an animal. Uh, and so he's not sure if he's going to tell them at some point. Um, not sure how they'll react. Now, look, man, I, I, I guess I'm not going to judge. Uh, you live your life. We all be whoever it is we want to be uh, or whatever dog we want to be. But yes, your friends are going to think it's weird. They are going to judge you. But what amused me the most about this story is not necessarily uh, that. Um, it's the idea that he already has a YouTube page. He already has a social media um, thing. I don't know if it's got much of a following. I was going to say following, but I don't think he has much of one. So it's that moment that you see all the time and that I laugh about all the time with uh, younger generations, millennials and Gen Z, uh, where everything and anything is, is out there on the Internet. It's out there for the world to digest however they want to digest it. And then you assume your everyday life is still somehow separated or, or different from that. Or maybe your friends aren't already aware uh, that Toko is out there on the Internet being a dog uh, for $20,000. Uh, threw down a lot of money for the costume itself. Uh, you see it all the time, though. You see people overshare when they turn on a camera, uh, when they, they type on a keyboard uh, in ways that maybe people wouldn't have in every other generation or every other point in our society. And I guess I just wonder about that more than anything else. Why is it okay? Why are you not afraid, not worried, uh, not whatever it might be uh, to put anything and everything out there for all to see on the internet, uh, but yet young people can't talk to each other. Uh, young people can't get on the phone. Young people can't have certain conversations as easily as past generations. I know there's exceptions to the rule if you're listening right now. As a millennial who's an exception to the rule, I know that there's some out there who can handle it. But it's just strange to me. It's at uh, the same time the most open and overshare generation, uh, last two generations in the history of our society, and the most closed and concerned about how other people think and feel about them of any generation in our society. Uh, but yeah, this is a real story. It's out there in the world. Guy spent $20,000 to look as close to uh, being a dog as humanly possible. And I mean that literally. Uh, he definitely still looks like a dude in an overly realistic uh, dog costume, uh, which is a story I didn't think I'd ever tell, a story I didn't think I'd ever see. Quick break, a lot more. Craig Collins filling in on The Chad Benson Show. Welcome to the Chad Autonomous Zone. Woo! Bipolar. There's a lot of things that I love about Hitler. No. Bipartisan. Don't abandon. Don't censor. Engage. Yes. The Chad Benson Show, where free speech and uncensored thought run wild. That's crazy. 
This is the Chad Benson Show. My name is Craig Collins filling in. Uh, Glad to be with you for a little bit more here uh, before the end of the year uh, over the next few days. So happy to be here just before the holiday. Chad is back uh, in 2023. I found a bunch of end of the year lists, uh, the basic ones, the ones about movies, TV, uh, music, all that stuff. And I realized something as I was reading through a bunch of these lists. There's a crap ton of stuff that I've never heard of before uh, that's making the top parts of a lot of these lists. Uh, Even if you're talking about music, as I scanned through, say, the top 10, 15 of best albums of this past year, I'm like, yeah, I don't don't know a lot of that. I know Beyonce. uh, She came in at number one, at least, in a couple of these lists that are out there in the world. But there's a bunch of stuff I've never heard of before. Uh, It seems like it was very difficult to come to a movie consensus for the best movie of the year. Uh, There's all different kinds of votes all over the place. And not many of the movies, I think, are any of the uh, box office uh, biggest movies. Uh, So that I don't know what that tells you about that, but that's pretty common. I also just in general like this comment uh, for one of those lists. 2022 was a great year in television for vampires, dragons, and time travelers. Uh, The best shows of the past year uh, all apparently have some sort of sci-fi element to it, at least according to one magazine that put up an end-of-the-year list. So a lot of that I thought was pretty fun and interesting and out there and pretty Probably not stuff that all of us have have heard of or understand well. And then there's this list, and I I don't know how you'll respond to this one, uh, but for some reason I enjoy this one quite a bit more. Uh, The most extreme animal encounters with humans of 2022 caught on camera. Uh, Add in that aspect to it as well. Uh, Some of these people just tape themselves uh, interacting with it. Um, Everybody on this list that I'm going to mention, at least the stories I'm going to mention are fine. Uh, they might have gone to the hospital in some of these cases, but they're doing well now. A uh, number one on the list was a bull elk that charged at a photographer in Colorado. An alligator found inside a Burmese uh, python in Florida uh, was another one that was fairly intense. Uh, again, not really, I guess, the human part uh, being all that big of an action, but alligator eaten by python is an intense story in and of itself. Uh, moose mayhem at several different locations happening in Colorado uh, made this list. Uh, the uh, mauling of a moose by a bear at a wedding uh, is something that is also on this list. And I talked about just recently uh, a, a chimp's emotional reunion with her baby uh, warms the hearts of everyone on the Internet. Uh, that was number five. Uh, I know that this is radio and not any sort of video, so I can't show it to you, but it is adorable. I saw that video this year. My wife, actually, I'm almost certain, showed it to me uh, just before falling asleep. It went viral like a month ago. And I guess this baby had been taken away from a, a, a mom, uh, a, a mom gorilla, mom chimp, uh, because it was sick or something, had to be bottle fed. So it was it was away for a while. And then eventually they put the little baby chimp back in uh, her habitat. And you can't even tell that it's a it's a baby chimp at first. It's wrapped in a blanket. So mom doesn't notice. And then the little, the little hand goes up, and then mom notices, and then adorable interaction ensues. Uh, judge me if you want to for being moved by that. My heart is not made of stone. Uh, that was one of the better things on the list, uh, and I guess humans weren't even all that involved in it. Uh, turtle fights off a shark during an ocean battle off Australia is out there as one of the best moments of this year, and a New Jersey fisherman nearly struck by massive humpback a whale survives, though, uh, not actually hit uh, on the list as well. I have said several times on radio, I'm pretty sure here, and I know I've done it uh, several other places, that I'm convinced that I could punch a shark in the face and survive a shark attack. So I guess what I'm saying is I hope at some point to be on one of these lists as a guy that one punched a shark and totally survived is completely fine uh, because I'm, again, convinced that that's a real thing. I'm told all the time it's not. Uh, Every time I mention this, actually listeners and some of the other places that I, I do this thing called radio will immediately send me a bunch of stories debunking it. 
but a shark and I have never been alone together in the water, and I've never tried. So uh, when I do, I'll either be able to update you on it or uh, most likely probably not be able to update you on it. That's stuff that's just out there in the world. I saw this story. I, I guess I want to leave on kind of a, a heartwarming note, uh, if that, with only a couple minutes left uh, before the end of the show, the last uh, live show for Chad Benson uh, for the end of this year. Um, so I saw this story about a woman who had got uh, a heart transplant, uh, who really, really needed a heart transplant. And I guess it happened just a few years ago. She's 29 now. She was 25 at the time that she got the transplant. And she wanted to keep her heart. She actually wanted to donate donate it to science at first and send it off. And a few weeks after science got it, wherever she sent it, they said they didn't want it anymore. So they sent her original heart back to her. As I said, she had a life-saving surgery. And she's, she's going to live a long and happy life. Uh, even though for the first years of her life, even the first three, she had over 200 procedures on her heart. Uh, So what does she decide to do? She decides to keep it, as I said. Uh, She grosses out all her friends and people that have seen it uh, with the heart. Uh, She's not just a big fan of Indiana Jones, though. The reason she wants it is because someday she wants to buy a home, uh, put a tree in the backyard, and under the tree, plant or bury the heart. And she wants to dedicate to the, the tree to the person that saved her life, uh, the person that was a donor and offered her the ability to, um, you know, uh, be someone that no longer worries about all the different challenges she faces today. And so I just really liked that story. I was moved by it. Uh, she put a video up on social media that everybody thought was definitely gross, and they were they were freaked out by it or whatever. And I'm sure that seeing a, a human heart uh, in person would be something that would also not be uh, easy for me or a lot of people to deal with. Uh, but I just thought it was really cool, uh, just raising awareness of... And I know this might be a a cliche or a silly way uh, to say this or to bring this up, but darn it, it's close to the end of the year, and I feel like this is the way I want to do it. Uh, Humans still help humans. Uh, We we still do it in the society that feels so separated, so disconnected, uh, so vitriolic where people yell at each other all the time. Uh, If you see somebody help somebody else, like shovel out of the snow or push somebody's car when they get stuck or do any of these things, or in this case even, I'll raise awareness to how important it is uh, to be a donor uh, because donors save lives um, and that you want to then also honor the people who helped you, who saved your life. I think that's an important thing to remember, just an important thing to think about uh, that in a moment where we're not uh, walking into it thinking we're going to have an argument or even sharing opinions at all, when we're just being people, just seeing every day uh, certain things in life, our, our innate response, our natural response to each other is still to care, is still to provide help and service as best we can. And certainly during the blizzard of the last few days, it's something you have example after example of. So there, that is my uplifting positive note and a happy 2022 to everyone, or excuse me, 2023 to everyone. Uh, Chad Benson is back on the uh, Chad Benson Show. Uh, Craig Collins signing off. Thanks for hanging out with me this year. This is the Chad Benson Show.